Hail and well met, everybody. Welcome to Geek Thyself, a show by nerds, for nerds, who love geeking out over random facts and esoteric trivia. My name is Heather. I'm Russell. And we'll be your hosts for this journey through the wondrous land of information. Hi there, guys. Uh, uh, welcome to this week's episode of Geek Thyself. We've taken uh, a couple of weeks off in downtime due to the Black Lives Matter movement that's been going on right now to try and up some uh, P- POC creators and all that good stuff. We hope that maybe you check some of them out if you weren't aware of them or went looking for other ones uh, during that time because, like we've said and we've been saying, they absolutely deserve your support. As you can probably tell from the lack of other voice uh, currently, uh, it is just me for for this week, I'm afraid. Heather has had something come up, and uh, it's affecting her ability to be able to record. They have to do some things which are personal to them, I'm not going to get into it. Uh, But hopefully they will be back with us next week. Uh, obviously, the the last little bit, uh, well, I'll say last little bit, this whole year has been a bit rough, just because of everything that's been going on, uh, and we are going to slowly start get back, getting back into getting our spell slots, and putting out other interesting topics for you guys. Hopefully, Heather will be back next week. Uh, they could be away, uh, but we will see when we get there. As for this week, uh, uh, this could be a potentially shorter episode, just while we get back into gearing up with everything that we have to do. Uh, but it is Pride Month. Uh, we have missed a couple of weeks uh, because of BLM and all that kind of thing. But uh, Heather and I did discuss talking about a topic for Pride Month, something that's incredibly important to LGBTQ+, QA+. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm not... Uh, the acronym, uh, I've got dyslexia, it's a bit difficult for me to say it, but LGBT plus whatever the other initials that have been added, I'm sorry, I'm terrible, I'll look it up, I'm sorry. Uh, but we are going to be talking, or we, I am going to be talking about the Stonewall Riots. Uh, okay. the, the Stonewall Riots are also referred to as the Stonewall Uprising or the Stonewall Rebellion, uh, were a series of spontaneous, violent demonstrations uh, by members of the LGBT community in response to a police raid that uh, was uh, on uh, 28th of June 1969, so just uh, roughly 51 years ago, roughly, uh, and that is coming up later this year. Uh, these uh, came and it took place in the at the Stonewall Inn, as for the name, uh, in the in the Greenwich Village neighborhood of Manhattan, New York. Okay, uh, the patrons of Stonewall, uh, other village, uh, lesbian and gay bars, and neighborhood street people fought back when the police became violent. Uh, the riots were widely considered to constitute one of the most important events leading into the gay liberation movement and also the modern fight for LGBT rights across the United States. Alright, uh, that's a very brief rundown. Okay. 
as it's probably not too surprising, gay Americans within the 1950s and 60s faced uh, an anti-gay legal system uh, in the same sort of way that it was anti-POC and anti-Japanese uh, uh, people during, uh, we talked about the Japanese internment in uh, racism and homophobia and all those kind of things. Uh, early so, uh, homosexual groups in the US uh, sought to prove that gay people could uh, be assimilated into society and they also favoured non-confrontational ed- education for homosexuals and heterosexuals alike. Uh, in the last years of the 1960s, however, uh, were contentious as many social political movements were active, including the civil rights movement, as we've already talked, uh, and the, the counterculture of the 1960s and the anti-Vietnam War movement. These influences uh, influences. Uh, along with the liberal environmental uh, environment of Greenwich Village, served as the catalyst for the Stonewall riots. Uh, very few establishments uh, welcomed gay people in the 50s and 60s. Uh, those that did were often bars, although bars, and managers were rarely uh, gay at the time. Uh, the Stonewall Inn was owned by the Mafia uh, during this time, actually. Uh, it catered an assortment of patrons, uh, and was known to be popular amongst uh, the poorest and most marginalised people in the gay community, Lesbians, uh, young uh, young gay men, drag queens, male prostitutes, uh, and transgender people as well, uh, as as well as homeless youth. Uh, police raids on gay bars were routine in the 60s, but officers, officers quickly lost control of the situation at the Stonewall Inn. Tensions between the New York City police and the gay residents of Greenwich Village erupted into more protests the next evening and again several nights later. Uh, these protests actually uh, went from the 28th of June, like we said, to July 3rd, uh, 1969. So there were quite a, there were a few days of protests with this. Uh, okay. Uh, within weeks, uh, the village residents quickly organised into activist groups to concentrate efforts uh, uh, on establishing places for gay men and lesbians to be open about their sexual orientation without fear of being arrested. In addition to all of that, the reason uh, that uh, Pride Month uh, currently is June is because of this. Today, in uh, LGBT Pride events are held annually throughout the world toward the end of June to mark the Stonewall Riots. Stonewall 50, War, uh, War Pride New York City 2019, commemorated the 50th anniversary of the Stonewall Uprising, with city officials estimating 5 million attendees in Manhattan. And of June 6, uh, 19, uh, 2019, New York City Police Commissioner James P. O'Neill rendered a formal apology on behalf of the New York Police Department for their actions of its officers at Stonewall in 1969. So uh, this is a massive kind of, um, event that went into producing uh, LGBT rights and the, the rights uh, um, and the, the gay liberation movement that followed on after it. Uh, we'll get into a little bit more detail about uh, the, the background and stuff now. Uh, obviously, I don't know super too much, uh, but we're going to go into it now. Uh, following the social upheaval in, uh, after war, uh, of World War II, many people in the United States felt a fervent desire to restore the pre-war social order and hold off the forces of change, according to historian Brian uh, Barry Adam. Uh, Spurred by the national emphasis on anti-communism, Senator Joseph McCarthy conducted hearings searching for communists in the U.S. government, the U.S. Army and other government-funded agencies and institutions, leading to a national paranoia. Anarchist, communist and other people deemed un-American and subversives were considered security risks. 
gay men and lesbians were also included in this list by the US State Department on the theory that they were susceptible to blackmail. In 1950, the Senate investigation, chaired by Clyde R. Hoy, noted in a report, it is generally believed that those who engage in overt acts of perversion lack the emotional stability of normal persons uh, and and said of all government agencies are in complete agreement that sex perverts perverts in government's constitutional security risks. So basically, the the quote there is getting at that if you are gay, uh, lesbian, all that kind of thing, apparently you're sexually perverted. I don't really see the connection, personally, but I'm also part of the LGBT uh, scope, so I guess I wouldn't. Either way, it was very anti-gay, which is never good, at least not to, to me anyway. Uh, between 1947 and 1950, 1,700 federal job applicants were denied, 4,380 people were discharged from the military, uh, uh, military, and 420 were fired from their government jobs for being suspected homosexuals. So yeah, uh, as you can see from all that, basically there were uh, between those three years there was a lot of uh, mistrust about the gay community, uh, and base and. Uh, try to keep people out of government jobs which mm-hmm, not great uh okay and into the 1950s and 60s the u.s federal bureau of, of investigation or the fbi and the police department kept list of known homosexuals their favorite establishments and friends the u.s post office kept uh, track of addresses where ma- uh, mat- uh, material uh, pertaining to homosexuality was mailed uh, state and local governments followed suit. Bars catering to gay men and lesbians were shut down. Uh, their customers were arrested and, and exposed in newspapers. So, uh, cities performed sweeps to rid neighbourhoods, parks, bars and beaches of gay people. They outlawed the wearing of uh, opposite gender clothes. And universities expelled instructors suspected of being homosexual. So, as you can see, within the following 10 years, it just continued to get worse for the LGBT community. Uh, and it was pretty much illegal to be homosexual, even if it wasn't illegal in the sense of actually being written into law. People were still being arrested, uh, play, uh, establishments were being shut down, uh, especially even if they just catered to gay men and lesbians. Uh, it was an all kind of bad, bad time. Uh, in 1952, the American Psychiatric Association listed homosexuality in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, or the DSM, as a mental disorder. Uh, a large-scale study of homosexual- homosexuality in 1962 was used to justify inc- uh, inclusion of uh, the disorder as a supposed pathological hidden fear of the opposite sex caused by traumatic parent-child relationships. This view was widely influential uh, in the medical profession. In 1956, however, the psychologist Evelyn Hooker performed a study that compared the happiness of well-adjusted nature of self-identified homosexual men with heterosexual men and found no difference. Her study stunned the medical community and made her a hero to many gay men and lesbians, but homosexuality remained in the in the DSM until 1974, so it re- remained a mental disorder, a class in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual for an extra 22 years past that. Uh, Or, I suppose, from 56, uh, it'd be 18 years. Either way, that's still ridiculous. Uh, 
to, to me um, I, I'm trying hard to you know keep a, a level head in this one uh, it's a bit difficult because it, none of it makes any sense to me this just feels like a targeted attack on LGBT people which I have a, a big issue with just in regards to in general people should be able to live how they want to live I, I don't agree with people being shunned for who they are what they can't really control how they're born uh, in any kind of way uh, if that's anything like that but I'm probably getting a bit too off topic but it's also important to this topic uh, Heather's normally better at reining me in on this <laughs> uh, okay anyway, carrying on so that's uh, the basic background into uh, into uh, activism uh, into homophobia basically and the background of the 20 uh, the 19 uh, the 20th century before the riots started Alright, so as you can see, up until this point, uh, we've covered the the opposition that um, homosexual people had during this time, and people just in the LGBT uh, space had. Uh, in the in the nineteen fifty, uh, the in Los Angeles, uh, there was a society called uh, created the Matachi uh, Society. Uh, uh, their objective were to unify homosexuals, educate them, provide leadership, and assist, quote, sexual deviants, unquote, uh, with legal troubles. So, uh, helping people who had been, you know, arrested for sexual uh, discrepancies into, into uh, getting free and all that kind of thing. Uh, they obviously faced enormous opposition for their radical approach. Uh, three years later, in 1953, uh, they shifted their focus to assimilation and respectability. Uh, they reasoned that they would change more minds about homosexuality by proving gay men and lesbians and LGBT people were normal people and no different from heterosexuals, which personally that they aren't. They're the same. Soon after, several women in San Francisco met in their living rooms to to form the daughters of uh, the daughters of uh, Bilitris. Uh, I think that's how you say that. Bilitris, uh, um, and basically developed into the same kind of society group uh obviously more aimed at uh lesbians than uh than the metachi society was aimed more at gay men and that kind of thing uh one of the first challenges uh to uh to government repression came in the same year 1953 an organization named one uh, published magazine of the same name, uh, and the U.S. Post, uh, Postal Service refused to mail its August issue, which concerned homosexual people in heterosexual marriages on the grounds that the material was obscene despite being covered in brown paper wrapping. The case eventually went to the Supreme Court in 1958 and ruled that one, uh, the magazine, could uh, mail its materials through the Postal Service. Uh, Homophile, uh, homophile organizations, as homosexual groups are self-identified in this era, grew in number and spread to the East Coast. Gradually, members of these organizations grew broader, uh, broader, bolder. Frank Ken, uh, Kameny, Kameny, I think, founded the, the Matachi of Washington, D.C., same uh, sort of uh, activism as the one in Los Angeles. Uh, has uh, he had been fired from his U.S. Uh, Army map service for being a homosexual and sued unsuc unsuccessfully to be reinstated? 
he wrote that some homosexuals were no different from heterosexuals, often aiming his efforts at mental health professionals, some of whom amended uh, Matashi and Dob meters, uh, attended uh, Matashi and Dob meetings, telling members that they were abnormal. In 1965, news on Cuban prison work camps for homosexuals inspired Matashi, New York and D.C. to organise protests at the United Nations and the White House. Similar demonstrations were then held uh, also at, gov at other government buildings. The purpose was to protest the treatment of gay people in Cuba and US employment discrimination. These picket uh, shocks, uh, these picket shocked many gay people and upset some of uh, the leadership of uh, Batashin and the Dob. At the same time, demonstrations of the civil rights movement and the opposition of the Vietnam War all grew into prominence, uh, frequency and severity throughout the 60s, as did the confrontations with police forces. All right. Okay, so all of this is basically a precursor into the the. Uh, resistance and riot uh greenwich and other riots uh we will cover those after just a very quick break where we'll talk about uh you know the, the mid-roll sponsors and all that good stuff all right uh, i'll be back in just a second guys <clears throat> okay now it's time for the mid-roll oh okay and i'm doing it by myself uh can we always Sorry, my mouth and brain got a little jumbled. We always start with talking about World Anvil. World Anvil is the most robust campaign management software out there, uh, as, to, as said by our director Logan, who literally tried them all before deciding that World Anvil was just so far leagues ahead of everyone else. They update it so often, they've got so many features for your campaign worlds. Or your story world, uh, basically you can use it to flesh out any kind of story, whether that's a campaign, a book, any kind of planning for anything that you want to be doing. It's got uh, character relationships that you can tie to people and tie it to other people and locations about how people actually feel with each other and dynamically change it for what it needs to be changed. Uh, they have so many features in their free version and they have even more robust features in their paid for subscription versions as well. We love them. Uh, they won any award for being so good at what they do. Uh, yep, we can't recommend them enough. And if you want to check out their services, go to worldanvil.com. Uh, also, the people who I normally talk about anyway, it's uh, Castle Die Hard over at dieharddice.com. Uh, as in their name, they have all amazing dice. They focus more on creating their metal dice, which they design their own modes for. They do all their color testing in-house for them on their normal line, their Spellbinder series line, and everything in between. They keep trying new things, especially like with their like inking uh, uh, the numbers differently with their Brimstone collection using different uh, metal uh, finishes. Uh, they also had a set of Frosted Pride dice that came out last year, which you can still get. Uh, they are gorgeous. I love this out of their dice. They have free shipping domestically for you US folks, and they have discount and shipping for the rest of the world, which is all kind of good. Uh, if you do go to their website and you find anything that you like, you can use the code Geek Thyself to get 15% off your first or next order. That's 1515. Uh, on top of all that, they've got their great accessories like the Scroll of Rolling, which I keep talking about, which is a portable dice mat, which can hold two sets of dice in it, which is great for compactability and for travel and for storage and all that good stuff. Uh, so yeah, if you want to roll with the best, all you need to do is go to dieharddice.com. 
Alright, so now I've done all that kind of staying stuff, we'll get back into the the details of the riots and then we'll look very briefly at some of the stuff that comes after it. And then we might talk about more of this uh, maybe next week, depending on how everything goes. Okay, alright, thanks guys, uh, see you in a second. Okay, now we're just back from the break. Uh, let's talk very briefly about Greenwich Village itself. Uh, it neighboured Manhattan along with Harlem, uh, Harlem uh, and both of those uh, were, were homes to sizable gay and, le and lesbian communities uh, when people had uh, served in the military to get advantage of the opportunity to settle in larger cities. Uh, <clears throat> The, the newspapers described them as short-haired women and long-haired men, again derogatory, developed, uh, and they developed a distinct subculture through the following two decades. Prohibition inadvertently helped gay establishments as drinking alcohol was pushed underground, along with other behaviours considered immoral. Uh, New York City passed laws against homosexuality in public and private businesses, but because alcohol was in high demand, speakeasies and impromptu drinking establishments were so numerous and temporary that authorities were unable to police them all. However, police raids continued resulting in the closure of iconic establishments such as the Eve's Hangout in the 20s. <clears throat> Alright, so within the early 60s, uh, the, a campaign to rid New York City of gay bars was uh, fully in effect uh, by order of the mayor, Robert F. Wagner uh, Jr., who was concerned about the image of the city in preparation for 1964's World Fair. Uh, the city revoked a lot of liquor licenses of bars, and undercover police officers uh, attempted to entrap as many uh, homosexual men as possible. Uh, uh, basically, that was like um, undercover officers found men in public places and if the conversation seems uh, like they were heading to that they would leave together or if that officer bought that man a drink then he was arrested for a solicitation which feels wrong that they can be arrested when the officer bought them a drink uh, there was also another terror uh, very bad case in a gym locker room uh, where the, an officer grabbed uh, a man's crutch, moaning, and a man who asked him if he was alright was arrested. Uh, again, that just feels very wrong. Uh, a few of the lawyers at the time would defend these cases, and uh, yeah. Uh, the Matachi Society succeeded in getting newly elected Mayor John Lindsay to end the campaign of police entrapment in New York City, and they ha uh, and but they did have a more difficult time with New York State uh, with the liquor authority, while no laws prohibit serving homosexuals, courts allowed SLA discretion in approving and revoking liquor licenses for businesses that might become quote disorderly. Uh, despite uh, the high population of gay men and lesbians uh, who were called Greenwich Village home, very few places existed other than bars that they were able to congregate openly without being harassed or arrested. Uh, in in nineteen sixty six, the New York. Uh, Matachin uh, held a sip-in at Greenwich Village bar named Julius, which was frequented by gay men to illustrate the discrimination homosexual men face. Oh, yeah. Okay, so now this leads us on to Stonewall Inn itself. Okay. Uh, something quite interesting about Stonewall Inn uh, is in 1966, uh, three members of the Mafia, or the Giovanni's uh, crime family, invested three three and a half thousand dollars to turn it into a game bar. 
uh, after it had been a restaurant and a nightclub for uh, for heterosexuals. Once a week, a police officer would come and collect uh, envelopes of cash as a payoff, known as a gayola. As the Stonewall Inn had no liquor license, it had no running water behind the bar. Uh, basically, dirty glasses were rubbed through uh, tubs of water and just reused immediately. There weren't any fire exits, and the toilets overran consistently. Though the bar was not used for prostitution, drug sales, and other ca- quote, cash transactions took place, it was the only gay bar for men in New York City where dancing was allowed, which was one of its biggest draws. Uh, visitors to the Stonewall Inn in, in 69 were greeted by a bouncer who inspected them through a peephole in the door. Uh, the legal drinking age was 18, and to avoid unwittingly letting undercover police in, visitors would have to be known by the doorman or look gay. Okay. Uh, the entrance fee was three dollars on weekend, which also got them drinks, and it was basically to look like a private bottle club, uh, and people had to sign their names, although people very rarely signed their actual names. Uh, in the areas there were pulsing lights, uh, which were used as a sort of warning mechanism that if they were set to just normal sort of white lights, that everybody should stop dancing and touching and all that kind of thing. Uh, police raids on gay bars were frequent, occurring uh, on average once a month for each bar. Uh, many bars kept extra liquid in a secret panel behind uh, the bar or in a car down the block to facilitate resuming business as quickly as possible if alcohol was seized. Bar management usually knew about the raids beforehand due to police tip-ups and raids occurred early enough in the evening that businesses could commence after the police had finished. Uh, during a typical raid, the lights were turned on, uh, customers were lined up with, and their identifications were checked. Uh, those without identification or dressed in full drag were arrested, others were allowed to leave. Some of the men, including those in drag, used their draft cards as identification. Women were, ra- uh, were required to wear three pieces of feminine clothing and will be arrested if not found wearing them. Employees and management of the bars were also typically arrested. Uh, the period immediately before June 28, 1969 was marked by frequent raids of local bars, including a raid at the Stonewall Inn the Tuesday uh, before the riots uh, and the closing of the checkerboard, the Telestar and two other clubs within the village. Okay, so the actual raid uh, at one at one twenty am on Saturday, 28th of June, four plainclothes policemen in dark suits, two patrol officers in uniform and Detective Charles Smith, uh, Smythe and Deputy Inspector Seymour Pine arrived at Stonewall Inn's door doors and asked police, we are taking the place. Stonewall employees do not recall being tipped off that uh, a raid was to occur that night, as was the custom. According to Dumerman, uh, there was a rumour that one might happen, but since it was much later than raids generally took place, Stonewall management thought the tip was inaccurate. Uh, the raid did not go as planned. Standard procedure was... Uh, was to line up the patrons, check their identification, and have female police officers take customers dressed as women to the bathrooms to verify their sex, upon which any people appearing to be physically male or dressed as women would be arrested. Uh, those dressed as women the, that night refused to go uh, with the officers. Men in line began to refuse to produce their identification. The police decided to take everyone present to the police station after separating those cross-dressing in a room in the back of the bar. Maria Ritter, then known as Mayo to her family, recalled, My biggest fear that I would get arrested. My second biggest fear was that my picture would be in a newspaper or on a television report in my mother's dress. Uh, both patrons and police recalled that a sense of discomfort spread very quickly, spurred by police who began to assault some of the lesbians by uh, feeling, uh, feeling some of them inappropriately while frisking them. 
The police would transport the bars, uh, alcohol in patrol wagons, 28 cases of beer, and 19 bottles of hard liquor were seized. But the patrol wagons had not yet arrived, so patients were required to wait in line for about 15 minutes. Those who were not arrested were released from the front door, uh, but they did not leave as quickly as usual. Instead, they stopped outside, and, and a crowd began to grow and watch. Within minutes, between 100 and 150 people had congregated outside. Some of them... Uh, uh, they were uh, released from the inside of Stonewall, some of them after noticing uh, the police cars and the crowd. Uh, when the first patrol wagon arrived, Inspector Pine recalled that the crowd, most of them whom were homosexual, had grown at least ten times the number of the people who were arrested, and they all became very quiet. Confusion over radio communication delayed the arrival of the second wagon. Uh, the police began escorting Mafia members uh, into the first, and... The cheers uh, to the cheers of the bystanders. Next, regular employees were loaded off in the wagon. A bystander shouted, "Gay power!" Someone uh, began singing, "We shall overcome," and the crowd reacted with amusement and general good humor mixed with growing and intensive hostility. Uh, an officer shoved a transvestite who re uh, responded by hitting him on the head with her purse as the crowd began to boo. Uh, okay. Uh, no one uh, has a slogan. No. Okay. Uh, pennies rather than beer bottles were thrown at the wagon uh, as a rumour spread through the crowd that patients were still inside of the bar and were being beaten. A scuffle broke out when a woman in handcuffs was escorted from the door uh, uh, to the waiting police wagon several times. She escaped repeatedly and fought off four of, four of the police, swearing and shouting for about ten minutes, described as a typical New York butch uh, or, quote, a dykestone butch. Uh, she had been hit on the head by an officer with a baton for, as one witness claimed, complaining that her handcuffs were too tight. Bystanders have recalled that the woman, whose identity uh, remains unknown, uh, sparked the crowd to fight when she looked at bystanders and shouted, why don't you guys do something? After the officer picked her up heavy uh, and heaved her into the back of the way and the crowd and mob began, uh, went, quote, berserk, it was the moment that the scene became explosive. The police tried to restrain some of the crowd, knocking a few people down, which incited bystanders even more. Some of those were handcuffed in the wagon escaped when police left them unattended, deliberately, according to some witnesses. Uh, as the crowd tried to overturn the police wagon, two police cars and a wagon uh, with a few slashed tyres left immediately, with Inspector Mind urging them to return as soon as possible. The commotion attracted more people who learned what was happening. Someone in the crowd declared that the bar had been raided because they didn't pay off the cops, uh, to which someone else yelled, let's pay, uh, let's pay them off. Coins <laughs> sailed through the air towards the police as the crowd shouted pigs and, quote, uh, F word cops. No, um, not the the swear word, the the derogatory for uh, for, uh, for gay people. Uh, beer cans were thrown, and the police lashed out, dispersing uh, some of the crowd who found a, a construction site nearby with the stacks of bricks. The police, uh, outnumbered by between five hundred and sixty people, grabbed several people, including folk singer and mentor of Bob Dylan, uh, Dave Van Runk, who had been attracted to the revolt by a bar. Uh, from about two doors away from the stone wall. Though Van Roik was not gay, he had experienced police violence when he participated in anti-war demonstrations. Quote, as far as I was concerned, everybody who'd stand against the cops was all right with me, and that's why I stayed in. Every time you turn around, the cops were pulling some 
uh, outrage or another, end quote. Van Roik, uh, Ronk uh, was one of the 13 arrested that night. Ten police officers, including two policemen, barricaded themselves. Van Ronk, Howard Smith, uh, a common writer for the Village Voice, and several handcuffed detainees inside the Stonewall Inn for their own safety. Okay, so following on from the, uh, you know, the police trapping themselves within Stonewall, the Tactical Patrol Force, or the TPF, of New York City Police uh, came to try and assist. One of the officers' eye was cut, a few others were bruised from being struck by flying debris. Bob Crowler, one of the, uh, who was walking his dog by the Stonewall that night, saw the TPF arrive. Quote, I, I had been in enough fights to know that from Zerva, the cops were totally humiliated. This had never, this had never ever happened. They were angrier than I guess they had ever been because everybody else had rioted, but the fairies were not supposed to riot. No group had ever forced cops to retreat before, so the gang was just enormous. I mean, they wanted to kill, end quote. With larger numbers, police detained anyone they could and put them in their patrol wagons to go to jail. They were inspected with a pine record. Fights erupted with uh, the transvestites who wouldn't go into the patrol wagon. His, his recollection was corroborated by other witnesses. Uh, uh, by another witness across the street who said, all I could see was those uh, was uh, fighting... Uh, it was the transvestites, and they were fighting furiously. Uh, the TPF formed a phalanx in an attempt to clear the streets by marching slowly and pushing the crowd back. The mob openly mocked the police, uh, and tr uh, the crowd was cheering and started imp uh, impromptu kick lines and sang to a tune of Tarara Booty Day. <laughs> by 4 a.m., uh, the streets had nearly been cleared. Many people sat on stoops and gathered nearby in Crystal Park throughout the morning, dazed and displeased at what had transpired. Many witnesses remembering the surreal and eerie quiet night upon descending upon Christopher Street thought that there continued to be electricity in the air. One commented, quote, that there is a certain beauty in the aftermath of the riot. It was obvious, at least to me, that a lot of people were really gay and, you know, it was our street. End quote. Thirty people have been arrested. Some of the crowds were some of the crowd were hospitalized, and four police officers were injured. Almost everything in the Stonewall Inn was broken. Inspector Pine had intended to close and dismantle the Stonewall Inn that night. Payphones, toilets, mirrors, joke boxes, and cigarette machines were all smashed, possibly by the riots and possibly by the police. Okay, so. Uh, during the, the next day, the New York Times, the New York Post, and the Daily News all uh, covered the riots, uh, as well as the Daily News putting it on that front page. News of the riots spread quickly throughout Greenwich Village, fueled by the rumours that it had been organised by the Students for a De uh, Democratic Society. Oh, excuse me. Uh, the Black Panthers, all triggered by a homosexual police officer whose roommate went dancing at the Stonewall against the officer's wishes. All day, all day Saturday, June 28th, people came to stare at the burned and blackened Stonewall Inn. Graffiti appeared on the walls with, uh, of the bar, declaring, uh, quote, drag power. They invaded our rights, support gay power and legalised gay bars, along with acquisitions of police routing, looting. And regarding the status of the bar, uh, quote, we are open. Uh, during that next night, riots, uh, rioting against surrounded Christopher Street, uh, participants remember differently which night was more frantic or violent. Many of the same people returned from the previous evening, hustlers, street views, and, quote, queens, but they were also joined by, uh, quote, police uh, provocateurs. 
uh, okay. Uh, uh, the curious bystanders, even tourists. Remarkable uh, to many uh, was the sudden ex exhibition of homosexual affection in public, as described by wantonness from going to places where you had to knock on a door to speak to someone through a people in order to get in. We were just out. We were in the streets. Thousands of people had gathered in front of the stone wall, which had opened again, choking Christopher Street until the ground spilled into their adjoining blocks. Uh, the throng uh, surrounded uh, buses and cars, harassed and uh, the occupants unless they either admitted they were gay or indicated their support for the demonstrators. Sylvia Riviera saw a friend of hers jump on a nearby car, try, uh, trying to drive through. Uh, the crowd rocked the car back and forth, terrifying its occupants. Uh, as on the previous evenings, fires uh, were started in garbage cans throughout the neighbourhood. More than 100 police were present from 4th, 5th, 6th and 9th precincts. But after 2am, the, TP, uh, the TPF arrived again. Kick lines and police chases waxed and warned. Uh, the police captured demonstrators, who, whom the majority of witnesses described as sissies or uh, swishies. Yeah. The crowd surged to recapture them. Street battling ensued again until about 4am. Uh, okay. Uh, activity in Greenwich Village was sporadic on Monday and Tuesday, partly due to rain. The poli police and village residents had a few altercations as both groups antagonised each other. Uh, not everybody within the gay community considered the, the revolt a positive development. To many older homosexuals and many members of the Matachin society who had been working for the 60s to promote homosexuals as no different uh, to heterosexuals, the display of violence and effeminate behaviour was embarrassing. So yeah, uh, uh, Randy Wicker, who had marched to the first gay picket lines before the White House in 1965, said... Uh, uh, screaming queens, forming uh, chorus lines of kicking went against everything I wanted people to think about homosexuals. Uh, on Wednesday, however, the Village Voice ran reports of the riots written by Howard Smith and Lewin to Truscott. That uh, included unflattering depictions, descriptions of the of the events and its participants. Uh, so yeah. A mob descended upon Christopher Street once again and threatened to burn down the offices of the Village Voice. Also in the mob, uh, between uh, 500 and 1,000 were other groups who had unsuccessful confrontations with the police uh, and were curious how the police were de defeated in this situation. Another ex uh, explosive street battle took place with injuries uh, to demonstrators and police alike, looting in local, local shops and arrests of five people. The Indus in the in the incident on Wednesday night lasted about an hour and was summarised by one witness. The word is out, Christopher Street shall be liberated. Uh, in the aftermath, uh, the feeling of urgency spread throughout the Greenwich Village, uh, even to people who had not witnessed the riots. Many uh, who were moved by the rebellion attended organisational meetings, sensing an opportunity to take action. On July 4th, 1969, the Matachin Society performed its annual picketing in front of the Independence Hall in Philadelphia. Uh, and called the annual reminder. Uh, Organisers Craig Rodwell, Frank Kameny, uh, Randy Wicker, Barbara Gittings and Kay Lucian, who had all participated for several years, took a bus along with other picketers from New York City to Philadelphia. Since 1965, the, uh, the picketers were very controlled, uh, 
one wore skirts and men wore suits and ties and all marched quietly al uh, along uh, in organised lines. This year, Rodol remembered the feeling restricted by the rules Kami had set. When two women spontaneously held hands, Kami broke them apart, saying, None of that, none of that. Rodwell, however, convinced about ten couples uh, to hold hands. The hold hand couples made Kamini furious, but they earned more press attention than all of the previous marches. Uh, okay. Although the Mertachi society had existed since the 1950s, many of their methods now seemed too mild for people who had witnessed and been inspired by the riots. Matanchi uh, recognised the shift in attitudes in her story on their new newsletter entitled the, ha the Hairpin Drop Heard Around the World, when uh, a Matashin uh, officer suggested an amical, am am suggested an amicable, amicable and sweet candlelight vigil demonstration, a man in the audience fumed and shouted, uh, uh, sweet blank, <laughs> uh, the Royal Society has been forced uh, these queens to play. With a fire announcing, do you think homosexuals are revolting? You bet you're sweet. We are. <laughs> the Gay Liberation Front, uh, the GLF, was soon formed. Uh, the first gay organisation uh, to use the word gay in its name. Previous organisations such as the Matin uh, Society, the Daughters of Bilitis, and various homophile groups uh, had masked their purpose by choosing obscure names. Alright. So yeah, as you can see, this the, these riots were very influential in getting people talking and basically making sure that it was in the news and uh, that kind of thing and people were taking notice same kind of thing is happening right now with the Black Lives Matter movement with all the uh, uh, police brutality uh, claims and officers uh, with race, uh, racial profiling and all that kind of thing so it's very at discussion right now uh, the Gay Liberation Front goes into a whole 20 year kind of thing so I think we'll call this episode here and we will revisit this topic going into the Gay Liberation Front uh, uh, next week. Hopefully Heather will be with us then. Uh, I know this is a, a longer topic, but it's super important, especially during Pride Month, especially during everything that's going on. Uh, I can't say I condone violence and protest and all that kind of thing, but sometimes it feels like it is needed uh, in order for some people to listen, which shouldn't be a thing, but it is. Uh, I, If you do have any questions for me about this, or if I've got anything you want to talk to me about, feel free to get in contact on the Smith Discord. Uh, you can also get in contact with Heather. Uh, they might not be answering right now just because they're dealing with things. Uh, but yeah, I hope... This has been informative and all that kind of thing. I apologise if I rambled. Uh, it's a bit easier to not ramble when you've got somebody else to bounce off to. Uh, apart from that, I will talk to you all really soon, guys. Uh, and I hope you're keeping well and looking, in, looking after yourself and staying safe. Big loves. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Geek Thyself. Don't forget to check out all the other amazing content on the Nerdsmith Network. If you have any questions for either of us, you can get in contact with us on Twitter at geek underscore thyself. You can also email us at geekthyself at nerdsmith.org. And please don't forget to go to iTunes and leave us a review or also go anywhere you listen to your podcasts.
We'll be back next week with another informative and fun episode. And until then, don't forget to geek thyself. Geek thyself.